0: Amen. Appreciate Brother Pete so much, goes down to the morning side, uh, don't want to call it rest home, assisted living home, yeah, okay, that's what it's called, that's a dignified place, amen, but uh, he goes in there with his guitar and, and teaches the word of God uh, to um, these dear elderly people, I'm not calling them old either, elderly people, I got in trouble calling people old people, and now I am one. But uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 3 real quick. And I want to introduce a two-part message on um, genuine love. Genuine love. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Love is important. I'll give you several things of the reason that love is so important. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't love your brother, the Bible says you're lost. Amen? That's what it says. It says you're lost. And so I, I believe with all my heart that as Christians... We ought to prove that we're saved. And the Bible says in First chapter chapter 3 of First John, verse 14, the key verse tonight. Let's go back to last week. No, that was Vacation Bible School the week before, amen? I thank God I got to preach on Thursday on Are You on the Wind Inside? And we saw several people get saved. And we had third grade up in here, so we wasn't picking uh, green fruit and just having first graders and K-5. And I believe they can get saved too if they're in church all their life. But um, I thank God for the ones who are saved. Now, I'll tell you what we need to do is follow up on every convert. Twenty-seven saved last week. But I want to tell you something. You say, how many you think uh, was real? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. By their fruits, you'll know them. But there's one thing that I know. It's found in verse 8. He that committed sins of the devil. First John 3, 8, look at it. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. He might destroy the works of the devil. Now look at verse 9, most understood verse in the Bible. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now the word sin is in the continual present tense, which means habitual. I want to say this, there is repentance when you get saved, and folks, there is also a change of want to. I drink as much as I want to, I cuss as much as I want to, and I run around on my beautiful wife of 45 years as much as I want to. But the truth of the matter is, since I got saved, I don't want to. And I tell you what, I, before I got saved, I didn't want to, because I wasn't married, number one, I was 11 years old, but I don't thank God, and I had a mama that would kill me, but I just thank God for a new want to, don't you? A new a new desire, uh, a, a new uh, nature, and that seed cannot sin. So it's not a matter of willing and dealing in the Christian life. It's a matter of yielding. Which one are you yielding to? You yield the Holy Ghost, you will not sin. You yield to the flesh, you will sin. And you'll sin and sin and sin. And the only difference between a lost person and a saved person is uh, they can sin and sin and sin and get away with it, but you can't. Because God loves you enough to discipline you. Say amen. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourge and chaste every son he receiveth. Now look at verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. The word born of God is mentioned seven times in the book of 1 John. I love to teach this to young people and preach it at youth camps. Uh, There's birthmarks of the Christian life. And born of God and born of Him is mentioned seven times. And I want to tell you this, friend. There's some evidence that you're saved. And one of them is found in verse 10. It says this, For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. That means sin habitually. Uh, It's a a lifestyle. When you get saved, sin cannot be a lifestyle. It'll either be changed or chastised. Well, look at verse 10. This is what we're going to preach on tonight. It says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So in this great verse, verse 10, there's two evidence of being saved. Number one, there's a change of life or the fruit of repentance and there is a new want to, a new lifestyle, a new appetite. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, but all things come new. The Bible says in John 5, 24 that we pass from death unto life. That's a pretty big difference, death and life. Say amen. You're no longer in the tomb of sin. You no longer have the, uh, the sin closed. You have the grace closed. Amen. Loose him and let him go, like Lazarus. And folks, you ought to loose it and let it go and not live in sin. But here's the second evidence of being saved. Because he is born of God, listen to this. He says, and neither he that loveth not his brother. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Now I have a hard time dealing with people that do not love the church. I'm not talking about this building. A lot of people don't like this building because It's not designed exactly right. The bathrooms are too little. I drew them up on a paper sack and they're about as big as a paper sack. But these are bigger. Thank God. God. But I want to say this, friend. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about God's people. If you're truly saved, you like to be around God's people. You like to be in church. You love the love letters from home. Say amen. You love others because the lover is in you. And without the lover, the Holy Ghost, you can't love. You're just as... You're just as dead as a doornail. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. Dead people can't love. Dead people can't give. Dead people can't bring glory to God. But when you're saved, you're resurrected with the divine nature, 1 Peter chapter 1. And that divine nature is called, He is called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is love. God is love. If you have God in you, you love God the things of God you love the people of God you love the word of God you love the man of God you love everything about God you love things associated with God these God haters that say they're saved that's a bunch of baloney with mustard and ketchup and mayonnaise all on it there is no way that God haters are saved Folks, he that doeth righteousness is saved. That's what it says. Look back at First John, uh, chapter two, verse twenty-nine. If we know that he is right, righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. There's that phrase, "born of him." Him means God, and you got to do righteous. And that's the same tense as uh, committed sin. There's a righteous life. It don't mean self-righteous, and it don't mean perfection. Some people take Matthew 5, 48, come totally out of tont, contents and say you got to be perfect and then you lose your salvation. The church of God has a worse thing. They say that you're, uh, you have a sinless perfection and your old nature is eradicated when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And folks, they got a problem with that because they're going to sin sooner or later, probably before they get out the door. And I want to tell you something, when they do, they lose their salvation, then they got to go through it again. And they're saved 17,280 times. The Bible says you must be born again, not again and again and again and again. I was tired last night. I worked outside and I ain't used to doing that, but I wasn't going to let our deacon die on the premises because I didn't want to start a cemetery back there. And so I said, we're going to hang in here as long as Larry wants to hang in. He about killed us. Amen. we finally went home and said, we're going home. You better go home. But I'll tell you what, friend, uh, I drug into YDC, and I said, man, and it wasn't even my week. I've been going 37 years. I said, man, they're calling me now to substitute when somebody's out of town. I said, and I was dead tired and I'd answered the text before I got dead tired. And I said, oh yeah, I'll be there. And I drug in that place. You ever drug in some place where you really didn't feel like being in that place? Like some of y'all right now, because y'all look like y'all about to die, some of you, amen. You're waiting for the bell to ring, amen. And uh, I remember I, I preached on being on the winning side and 1 John f- 5, 4 and 5, he, he that overcometh the world is he that's born of God. And I said, the tattoo that was on the prisoner's arm, born to lose, is totally unscriptural. You're born to win. And I looked right down, there was a guy from Athens, Georgia, big big, tall black guy, and he had tattoos all over him. And I said, I don't know if you've got that written on you or not, buddy, but I'm going to tell you one thing, you're not born to lose, you're born to win. You're going you be a winner. You, you're, you can be victorious. And then I looked and there was five people in that whole assembly. That's the lowest I've ever preached to in my life at YDC, but I didn't care if it was one. I'd have preached to the counselor, and I said, "Hey, y'all, y'all take care of the counseling." It's thirty minutes after I preach. They have I said I'm dead tired. I'm just dead. I just I, I gotta go. I gotta go home and rest. I'm old. I'm about seventy, according to Joanne Jones. And uh, and, and I was walking out the door and said, "Brother Dave, you take this guy," and uh, he said, "Whoa, wait a minute, preacher. I want to be saved." and I want you to lead me to the Lord. I said, no, he can do it. He said, and he said, and the counselor said, no, I can't do it, you do it. I said, I'll be glad to do it. I sat down, led him to the Lord. Another girl got saved back in the back corner and they introduced her to me and been on the way home, I was singing, shouting, and praising God with energy from another world. I had meat to eat that you know not of. And I want to tell you something, when you're weary and you don't feel like serving God, Serve God anyway by faith. But folks, it takes the love of God to do that. Say amen. I'm not bragging on myself. I mean, I wasn't in the mood. I was feeling very old. I was wanting to rest. I hadn't been home in a long time. I was crazy enough to go to Rome's baseball game Monday and backslide a little and uh, have hot dogs and have a good time and um, wonderful time. My wife paid paid the tickets and it was wonderful. But I was dead. But I want to tell you something, when you serve God, God will fill you to overflowing with His Spirit. I said all that to say this, folks, there's a divine, genuine love. But let's start the outline. I want you to see it in verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Amen? Now look at verse 12. We'll, just, we'll, we'll preach just a few minutes. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother... And therefore slew him, he him, him because his works were evil and his brother righteous. This guy killed his brother over religion. Self-religion. He brought his fruits that were not good enough. There's no ladder to heaven. There's only a cross. And Abel came by the blood. He came with a sacrifice. Not of works, lest any man suppose... And Cain killed his own brother. Now I want to tell you what the point is. He was lost. He was lost. You know why people are killing each other in their families? They're lost. You know why people are killing each other in schools? They're lost. Folks, lost people are just sin. That's what they're supposed to do. That's how they live. Folks, the only remedy for the violence in the school and the violence in the home and the destruction of the home and the destruction of the family and this divorce uh, pandemonium going on. I mean, the, the only cure is the love of God. only cure. You can have all the counseling you want. If you don't have the counselor, you'll never have the prince of peace, and therefore you won't have love. Cain killed his brother. I want you to look at number one. Love is extensive, Brother Joel. Love is extensive. Look at verse 16. Well, let me just read down to it, verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Amen, look at this. We know that we have passed from death into life. Here's that phrase. Because, say the next three words with me, we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. Now, folks, the Bible's pretty clear. If you don't love your brother, you're not saved. And that means you don't love those that hurt you, you're not saved. If you only love those that love you, you're not saved. Folks, listen. Folks, we have a a problem in this world. It's called hate and sin. But the solution is God's love. Amen? Look at verse 14. We know that we pass from death unto life. How do we know? you talk about assurance. Because we love the brethren. That's how we know. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Cain set the example of what self-love is all about. Hey, Jesus set the standard for loving others. John 15, 13. Romans 5, 8 says, God committed his love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died. I'll show that young man from Athens. That verse. I said, You don't have to get good enough for it. He loves you. And He proved it at the cross. That's a lot better than reformation in the jail. Amen. You can reform yourself into being an educated sinner. But look at this genuine love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 8. You know the verses, but I want you to read them with me. 1 Corinthians 13. This is Christ like love. We try to make this so deep and so spooky that we don't even get down to where we live. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, and I want you to look at verse 1. It says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Folks, love is more than emotions. The devil believes and trembles, but the devil's not saved. So you can feel like you're saved and not be saved. You don't, go, you don't go down to the altar just because you're waiting on a feeling. The filling is the caboose. The filling is the fruit of living right. Amen. It's not the engine. You don't base your assurance on your fillings. Some people say pray down, pray low, pray low, pray loud, pray whatever. Get up, get down. Man, you'd be so confused. You'd be like a termite and a yo-yo with that kind of crowd trying to counsel with you. What you need is the Word of God. And the Word of God says that He'll come in your life and give you a divine nature. Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have have all faith, so that uh, I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing, zero. There's seven attributes of spiritual spectacularism, and folks, it says minus one e- equals zero. Seven minus one equals zero in these first three verses. Because, and, and you say, well, I don't know what kind of math that is. That means without love, it's nothing. I don't care if you move mountains. Sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. Look at verse 3 now. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. You can be a martyr. and Without love, you're just a dead martyr. You died for the wrong cause. Because, folks, the only cause that you ought to die for is you love God and love God's Word. Now here is the definition of genuine love found in 1 Corinthians 13. Remember, love is extensive. It makes a difference. It's such a difference, it's an attribute of salvation. It's proof of your salvation. 1 Peter three fourteen. we know we could pass from death and life because we love the brethren. But look at verse 13, charity suffered long. I want to tell you something. All you that are contemplating marriage, you better have the love of God in both your hearts. And I'm not saying it's a suffering long experience. But it takes patience to live with another person. Ask Miss Connie. No, don't ask her a thing. Y'all fire me as pastor today. But I want to tell you something. It takes a patience to live with another human being. And folks, patience is love. Charity is love in action. And it's kind. Oh, we're getting deep now. What we need is a revival of kindness. You treat your wife worse than an unannounced guest sometimes. When an un and out guest knocks on your door, you're polite, you listen, you turn the TV off. You don't do that for your wife. You say, What's the commercial, honey? Come on now. Kindness. We have manners before we get married, and then we don't we lose all our manners after we get married. Somebody said when you open a door, there's two things new either the car or the wife. We lose our manners. We don't even dress up anymore. We don't take her out to a date. We don't even brush our teeth but once a week. God help her. I want her to kiss that. Amen. We don't take a bath. Folks, listen. We take for granted our love of our life and that's the Lord and then our wife and our husband. Envieth not, cherished, bawneth not itself, is not puffed up. You're not easily offended. Look at verse Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own Is not easily provoked Thinketh no evil Mamas Daddies You're not easily provoked by your children If you love them Now you're provoked but you're not easily provoked That means you keep on Keeping on trying to Discipline them, help them Patient, you don't disown them Amen You don't throw them away Like that little baby in that sack it was found in Alpharetta about a mile from my daughter's home. You don't throw the baby away. You don't throw the teenager away. You don't throw the junior away. Why? Because love is not easily provoked and thinketh no evil. You're always praying by faith and by love that God will get a hold of their heart. Look at verse 7. 6. Rejoice is in not iniquity. Rejoice in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. What? Love. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Where there's prophecy, they shall fought, fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And that's talking about the knowledge of knowing about somebody's heart and soul. It means uh, knowing that there's a rapture when it's not written in the Bible yet. But that which is perfect comes. You don't have to, you don't have, to have knowledge and prophecy. And definitely not tongues. It says, for we know in part, we prophesy in part. Look at verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, though I was a, thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's a whole lot of difference in the apostolic gifts and the way we worship today. We don't need signs, we don't need signals, and we don't need a special word from uh, Brother Randy to send up and say, I've got a word of knowledge about the rapture. No, we don't don't take it from Randy Teams. We don't take it from Pete Taylor. We don't take it from any of y'all. We take it from the Word of God. That's knowledge. amen. And we we know, know it in part. But I want to tell you something. Many times the Apostle Paul stood up and said, Hey, there's going to be a rapture. They said, A what? We never heard of that. And then he wrote it down. And then they didn't have to hear from him. They heard from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit used that gift of knowledge in the apostolic baby days of the New Testament church. But look at this now. It says, for now as we, we see through a glass darkly but face to face, but I know in part but I shall also know even as I am known. Here's the key. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. I'm going to say number two, love is the queen of all graces. You can have faith, you can have works, you can die as a martyr, you can have knowledge, you have great prophecy. You can have a prayer life that moves mountains. But if you don't have faith, it's nothing. It's absolutely zero. And I want to tell you something, folks. Love is extensive. It changes your life. And people know that it will change their life when they get in touch with you. I want to tell you something. Love will make a difference. My mother and I melted my daddy's heart through love. We stopped slapping back. We stopped throwing food back. We stopped fussing and fighting. We stopped being aggravated with him as a drunk. We just loved him for three years. At the end of three years, he walked the aisle and knelt down beside me and said, Son, leave me to the Lord. And he lived seven years with the love of God in his heart. He used to want to run away from home. After he got saved, I wanted to run home and just watch him s- sit up past 8 o'clock because he passed out in his plate every night. Let him watch him sit up and read the King James Bible on his special reading chair. And then to watch him get up and hug mother and say, I love you, and go to bed. That's worth running home to. And folks, before that, I wanted to run away from home because it was all kinds of chaos. Love makes a difference. Christ makes a difference. So love is extensive. Number two, love is expensive. Look at verse 17 back in our text. Back in our text. 1 John three verse fifteen says, "Whosoever hateth, let's go back to fifteen. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer." Talking about Cain, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abideth in him. Now Matthew chapter five says you can murder people with your thought life. Amen. And that's murder, scripturally speaking. Now folks, I'd rather you just think bad about me instead of kill me, but um, folks, it's both murder. Amen. We murder people with our words with our attitude. Look at verse 16 though. "Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life lives for the brethren." That's the second John 3:16 in the Bible. You know John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. But first the second time John 3 16 is mentioned it says hey if you want to know about the love of God that he laid down his life for you you ought to lay down your life for your brother in other words friend love is expensive look to Calvary and see what love will meet another's needs see that love will meet another's needs you know the need you had when Jesus laid his life down eternal life And somebody needed to pay for your sin debt and he paid it all. Love does not hold anything back. It's just just unreserved love. It's, hey, husbands love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What a challenge. Thank God for Ephesians 5.18 a few verses ahead. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of love. Amen, come on. A lot of people give up on their marriage too quick. The love of God can break and, and melt a heart into submission. The love of God can help a husband get right with God and start being a spiritual leader instead of a spiritual bum, a spiritual hobo, send you to church and never come. Folks, I want to tell you something, friend. The man ought to be the leader of the home and the head of the home and set the pace, but I want to tell you something. The Bible says it's not dictatorship, it's loveship. Love, love, love. And I want to tell you something, that kind of love will cause one to submit to you. Amen. You know, when I think about the love of God, my first response is, I want to submit to you, God. If you love me enough to die and take my hell from me, at least I can do is serve you when I'm tired, when I don't feel like it. Folks, love is expensive. You need to die to self to be filled with the Spirit of God. I often asked Dr. Lee Robinson, he preached here every year before he died. It preached our 25th anniversary, our 30th anniversary, then he died. And he always preached, have faith in God. And it was about 20 minutes. And he never would stay for dinner on the grounds. I hated that, because I'd had to take him back home and skip dinner on the grounds. But my wife was always faithful to make me a plate. Thank God. And I'm sure that I am not starved. In fact, I got suspenders from my birthday. I'm so excited about that. But I'm pessimistic. I wear a belt too, amen. <laughs> I don't trust them. Hey, man, but listen. Listen. Listen to me. Please listen to me. Folks, love holds back nothing. You put your whole weight on someone when you have faith in them. That's the definition of faith. But I want to tell you something. When you love someone, you, you take a chance to be hurt. You know, I'm sick and tired of cautious Christians. Well, I would go witnessing. I would go soul winning. Never done it before, but you would go. But I'm afraid I'd get my feelings hurt. Well, go get your feelings hurt. I mean, don't try to provoke it. But folks, listen, Jesus had more than His feelings hurt for you. Say amen. He was tortured, humiliated, stripped, scourged. His, blood, his beard was plucked out of his face. Macedonia World Baptist Mission uh, had a, 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 a um, policy just recently uh, that I was always against, and I didn't know how to get it passed that nobody on Macedonia could wear a beard. No one. And I thought to myself, Jesus could not join Macedonia World Baptist Missions. We got a problem here. Because the last time I checked, to have your beard plucked out, you've got to have one. And so they changed the policy. Now it's got to be well-trimmed, which I, I agree with that, and neat. And I know Brother Terrell's had to deal with it with Rock of Ages, so y'all not sanctified either. And, uh, you, know, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, it needs to be neat and trimmed and all that stuff. But I want to tell you something, friend. The greatest thing that we could wear in our Christian life is love. I mean, listen. Maybe uh, I, you say, why don't you grow a beard? If I, I can't grow, one, grow hair on my head. I sure ain't going to try on my face. Amen. Come on now. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's not the outward crust that's important. I do believe you ought to be separated. And I believe you ought to be modest. I don't think you ought to go knocking on doors that you're so lustful that they can't hear the gospel for looking at you ladies. I think you ought to be, I think you ought to be modest. Not, a, not not bring attention to your body, but bring attention to Him and the Word. Say Amen. You say, why don't you get on the men about that? Because you don't know there's a difference in how men and ladies are attracted. We are attracted by sight. Ladies, y'all are attracted by touch and kindness and time. Y'all don't really get really thrilled if you see somebody with a physique, with suspenders like I got. Amen, praise God. (laughs) 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 Woo! I'm having a good time whether y'all are or not. Listen. Love is expensive. You have to give up some things that you don't think are so important. I had real long hair when I was a teenager and I went. So went in with a deacon. He said, hey, listen, you need to get your hair cut. I said, I will not. All the girls think I'm cute. I mean, I had it curled up and flip, flipped up. You ever had that? No, bothers me now. And It was on my shoulders. And I go knock on doors. And I want to tell you something, in that day in the 60s, that was a sign of being a hippie. And so I was just a glorified hippie, praise God. I'd wear my bell bottoms on soul winning, praise the Lord, amen. They looked like uh, 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 alligator leather. I mean, it looked like snake leather uh, design. And I was going, be bopping around, and I thought, he said, you'll probably win some young people, Lord, but you'll never win an adult. I went home mad. I said, he ain't going to tell me nothing about how I'm going to dress. Praise God. And then the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and say, hey, listen, you're going to let your little curls get in the way of winning somebody the Lord? So I went and got a haircut. It killed all the girls, but I did anyway. Amen? Hey! Love is expensive. Now let's stop talking about the outward crust. You need to die to self and get your self-ambitions and your self-righteousness dethroned from your life to be effective soul-winner. To be effective Christian, you need to be filled with the love of God that you care so much that you'll go when you're tired. You'll go when you you don't feel like it. You'll go when you don't think it's going to do any good. You'll go again and again and again and again. Somebody the other day was telling me about, they knew Hubert Coker from the Democratic Party of Dalton, Georgia. I said, he was that? He said, yeah, he was one of the head honchos, you know. He pushed it. I said, well, I want to tell you about Hubert Coker. He stood by that water fountain for 11 years, and we prayed for him for 11 years. And one Thursday night, I had the privilege with Johnny McNeese outside taking care of all the kids he was keeping, grandkids, uh, seeing him get saved. 11 years, his grandson prayed for him. 11 years, Miss Betty prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And praise God, 11 years we knocked on his door and he was so rude. The night I led him to the Lord, we were in a dark den and no light. He wouldn't even turn the lights on. It's a good thing I memorized the, the plan of salvation. I was in the dark talking to him, weeping, praying to he get saved. And I said, would you like to get saved, brother? Oh, I didn't say brother. Hubert, would you like to get saved? He said, I sure would. He fell off the couch on his knees. I said, glory to God. 11 years of praying. 11 years of weeping. and So you can give up on a soul if you want to, but love never gives up. Love does not hold anything back and love never gives up, never quits. Let me close, it's time to go. How are you going to know about the love of God? You need to lay down your life. If Jesus sacrificed His life. Can't you sacrifice your pride? That's why most people don't go so winning. They're so afraid they won't do it right. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God will take your mistakes and bless them. And then if you don't have all the answers, why don't you be honest and say, I don't have the answers, I'll ask my preacher. And then I won't have the answers and we'll be in trouble. You can ask Brother Jeremy. He has an answer for everything. Amen? But be honest. You're not a prosecuting attorney. You're a witness. We don't have all the answers. But I'll tell you, we know the answer. His name is Jesus. And His name is love. For God is love. Let me close. Love is expensive. Love is very expensive. Love is, love is extensive. Love is expensive. Oh, praise God. Number, verse 18, love is expressive. Look at verse 18. I'll close. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I'm just going to close with this. Genuine love does not just talk. Now, wives, how would you like to have a husband that's all he did was say, I love you but never, never spent time with you? That'd be, that'd be a, I think it would be hypocrisy, don't you think? Don't tell me you love God if you don't spend time in his love letter. Don't tell me you love God if you won't darken the house of God uh, except maybe on a uh, 11 o'clock service. You ought to love God a little bit more than that, Amen? I'm dealing with a new convert right now. She thinks it's just one time a week. And I said, Well, do you eat more than one time a day? Don't you need more than just one hour a week? Well, I guess I do. But in the Mormon church, they just taught us we can just come one time a week. I said, Well, you're not in the Mormon church anymore. You're saved in a Baptist church. You ought to come every time the door's open. Say amen. Why? Because she needs to grow. She needs to grow. And she needs to get to know you because I think you're the most loving church in the whole wide world. You might have the greatest pastor, but i got the greatest church in the whole wide world. Y'all love people. and I think you ought to be commended for your love for others. But Let me just close. Without Calvary, John 3.16 is just the empty words. For God so loved the world that he gave. And guess what? Let me close. I know some of y'all are bored because you're talking right through my message. He just didn't say he was going to give, he gave. How much does Jesus love you? Look at Calvary. How much does Jesus love you? Well, he sent me a Bible and it said he loved me. Big deal! He carried out the Bible, he fulfilled the law. He died in your place. He took your hell. He took your sin debt. He took your place. He loved you enough to have you on His mind and on His heart when He gave His life's blood. And up from the grave He arose and He ever lives on the right hand of God interceding for you because He loves you. And so tonight when you pillow your head you can talk to a loving Father in Heaven and a loving Son on the right hand of God and you can really love him because the Holy Ghost inside of you is saying Abba Father God the Father He is Lord And Without the Holy Spirit you can't even call him Lord much less adore him as Lord See the biggest need you have in your life and the biggest need I have in my life is the fullness of the Spirit of God That's ought to be the number one prayer request around here Fill me overflowing with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit allows you to be loving extensively expensively and expressively next week I want to continue this message and I want to give you the outline next next one about the four levels the four levels of love murder, hatred indifference Samaritan walking on the wrong side of the road, but here it is. This ought to be the goal of your life, the love of God, the love of God. You know what breaks my heart? So, so many people are so bitter these days. It's like a cancer. I hear, I hear about cancer all the time. My dear friend, Miss Linda Hicks, has pancreatic cancer. Prognosis is not good. This preacher's got cancer. This preacher's got cancer. This preacher just died of cancer. But I want to tell you something, there's a worse cancer going around here, and that's bitterness. And folks, the opposite of love is not just bitterness, This is indifference. We cannot let the world go to hell if you're filled with the Spirit of God. You cannot work on your job six days a week and never speak the name of Jesus unless it's in vain. If you're full of the love of God If you're saved So if you'll just let him be who he is through you It'll take care of the love problem Because God Is love Let's pray Father thank you for the night It's been good testimony time Good prayer time And I pray it's been a good word Because Lord I know the greatest need in my life Is to be more loving I want to be a more loving husband I want to be a more loving father. Lord, I want to be a more loving pastor. Lord, I want to be a more loving brother to reach my sister. Lord, I'd like to be a more loving soul winner. But Lord, the more I try to love, the more I get in the way. So Lord, would you be who you are through me? And God, would your love the proof of salvation, the badge of discipleship, the criteria for the second coming, and the light of the local church, love, dwell in me and through me to overflowing. God, increase our faith. We need it. But God, increase our death to self so you can flow through us with your love.